could all stand for the reading of the word. I'd like to go to Romans chapter 4. I appreciate Bishop. He's recovering. He's getting stronger as the day goes by. Glad he could be with us. Romans 4, and I'd like to read two verses, chapter 20, or verse 24 and 25. You know, it's kind of quiet in here. That doesn't intimidate me or scare me. I just, I feel God. I feel Him greatly. Romans 4, 24. Scripture reads, But for ours also, it will be counted to us who believe in Him, who raised from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses. He was raised for our justification. Bishop, Will you pray? Amen, and you may be seated. I went about as generic as you can go with a title, but yet one of the best titles I've ever used. I titled this message, Resurrection Sunday. So plain, but so powerful, and so perfect. Hebrews 9.24 for Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands. That's talking about the Ark of the Covenant, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For as he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by sacrificing of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. The purpose of the cross, He says, was to put away sin. The purpose of the sacrifice, it says, once and for all at the end of ages, is to put away sin by sacrificing himself. Everything that we have done in our life that is bad, 
Every attitude that we've had that is horrible, every time we gossiped, every time we swore, every time we were addicted, every time we drank and did drugs, every time we were a fornicator, every time we were self-righteous and haughty, every time we were ugly, all of those times is what was nailed to the cross. It was blotted out by the blood. Every time that we have messed up and been a failure, every time that we've just made a complete wreck of our lives and we've created chaos in our wake, every time we were man, all of those times, all of the times we were wrong, every time that we sinned, God, paid a price for, to put it under the blood once and for all. The purpose of the cross was so that you and I might be forgiven, that you and I might be able to obtain salvation, that you and I might be able to go to heaven. All that Christ did, don't make it of none effect over a bad attitude over holding on to a grudge, over blame game with somebody, or getting your feelings hurt and not forgiving a situation. Do not take the blood of God and let it be on somebody else and not on us. I didn't plan on preaching like this, but I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost that there are souls on the line, that there's somebody you're dying, you are dying and drowning in judgment. Not of God, but you're judging somebody else and something else that's got nothing to do with you. God is your Redeemer, and He's my Redeemer. He's my wife's Redeemer. He's my son's Redeemer. Jeffrey, He's your Redeemer. I'm not your judge. I'm not the one that's handing out verdicts. What I'm saying is the same Redeemer that can forgive this man can forgive you. The same God that died on the cross for me, Brother Craig, is the same God that can wash away your sins. None of us are better than one another. None of us are greater than the next. None of us are holier than the next. There is none of us that's holy anyways. We simply stand in the holiness of God. There's no righteous within us except the Holy Ghost that's in us. Matthew says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints had who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after the resurrection, they went into the holy city, and they appeared to many. And when the centurion and those who were with him, who were keeping watch over Jesus, they saw the earthquake and what took place, and they were filled with awe, and they said, Truly, this was the Son of God. It's a little too late at that point to undo what you did to Jesus. You can't go back and undo the death that he was willing to take upon himself. But what you can do moving forward 
is let the sacrifice that He made be a part of your life forevermore. And say, God, I once was anti-Christ, but now I'm of Christ. You know, the Lord knew that He was going to lay His life down. The Lord knew that He was going to do the shedding of blood for the sins of man. He told this at the Last Supper. He says, this cup that is poured out for you, this is the new covenant in my blood. Brother Kenny, God was laying the foundation for the blood. He told them at the Last Supper, He said, this is the covenant of my blood. He left the Last Supper. He goes down across the valley. He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. And there He kneels down. And He begins to be a foreshadow of the things to come. It says as He was travailing, as He was praying, that He sweat so profoundly and profusely that blood came out of His pores. Do you realize that God was already shedding the blood before the cross? was coming out of his pores. It was staining his robe. People thought, oh, that's an intense situation. And God was putting before the people, I'm showing you that I'm willing to give my blood for the life of my children. He's hanging on the cross. It says one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And at once there came out blood and water. The shedding of blood was complete. The life had already left his body. The blood was flowing down his leg, down the wooden beam, onto the ground, into the dirt and the rocks. To some, it was a victory that they had put the madman out of his mind. To some, it was triumphant that the blaspheme and the heretic had gotten what he deserved. But there was a different kind of victory that was pure and true. There was a victory in heaven at that moment. There was a victory in hell at that moment. There was a victory in the earth at that very moment. And it wasn't the victory of the death of a heretic. It wasn't the victory of a madman passing away. It was the victory that the Old Testament had been fulfilled and that now his sons and daughters could come before the throne and say, Father, I need you. victory that was done that day is a victory that is still alive in your life and in my life. It's a victory that still reigns throughout our churches globally, locally, and even nationally. 
that people on this day, I told the Lord, I said, God, I hope today there's many souls that come home. I hope today that there's many children that call your name. I hope today, Lord, it's the greatest day in heaven that you've had so far. God, I hope today that the sacrifice that you did on Calvary makes an impact where it's never been able to hold ground before. I hope today that hell is shaking under the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. Through His blood. You can't go around it. You can't sidestep it. You can't backtrap it. If you want to have redemption of your sins, it is in the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, through baptism in His name, and remission of our sins. There is no other way. He says in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. Ephesians 2.11 says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles, how many years of Gentile? Raise your hand if you're a Gentile. Hey, I don't know what the rest of you are. Are you Jewish? One or the other. If you don't know what a Gentile is, that means you're not a Jew. And if you did some DNA test and you're like, ah, I'm a 16, 30 second Jew, so. Well, this is for you too. And you can raise both hands. This is to us. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, moi, in the flesh, we were called the uncircumcised. By what? is called the circumcision, means the Jews, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember, come on, let's actively do this. Let's start to remember. Remember that you were, at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Do you remember when you walked this earth without God? Come on, just because you were born into Pentecost doesn't mean you were of Christ. Your parents birthed you in a Pentecostal home, but they can't make you serve God, and they can't force you to serve God. Do you remember what it was like, whether you were in church or out of church? Do you remember what it was to not have the Holy Ghost? Well, Larry, I do. I remember it well. I don't glorify that life. I don't want to return to that life. I'm not bragging on that life. I want no part of that life because once I found Jesus Christ, once I went down in His blood and I came up a new creature in Christ Jesus, something in me started to move. Something in my life began to change. I remember how it felt to be alienated from the presence of God. It's not a good feeling. It's not a good place. 
He said, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. There are people right now that have no hope. They at least think that way or feel that way, that there's no no point in living anymore. There's no reason to keep going on that they're never going to be delivered. They're never going to find joy. They're never going to experience happiness. They are devastated in their mind. There's just no hope. We know differently, don't we? We had no hope because we didn't have God in our world. Oh, come on, somebody. Anybody ever been there? I know that you look good. I know you all look like apostolics right now, but I know you all weren't always apostolics. It's all right to admit that we were all sinners and that by the grace of God, we found the cross. I don't know what I did for my dad to bring me to church. I don't know what I did to be born into their household and be taught about the oneness of God and the baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I don't know why it is I'm so lucky to have had parents that found God in an apostolic church. I don't know why it is I'm so lucky that even when hell attacked my home and my parents walked away from God, my dad began to feel the draw of the cross. You see, it doesn't matter how good we are or how we look and how we dress. It doesn't get us to the cross. The only thing that gets us to the cross is the drawing of the Lord. That's the Bible, people. That there is none that can repent unless they are drawn, unless they are called. You're sitting here because of the call of God, because of the draw of the Holy Ghost, not because you're good, not because you're born into this, not because you grew up in this, not because you drove by this. It's because God saw your worth, saw your value, and His love said, I want to save them. I'm telling you, It's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and everybody's looking nice and taking pictures. But I want a picture when our jackets come unbuttoned. Lord, I remember when. I remember those times. When I didn't have you in my world. But Ephesians 2.13 says, but now. Come on, say it, but now. That means right now. Right now. But now. See, we were alienated. We didn't have God in our world. 
We were a bunch of heathens. We were a bunch of reprobates, right? We were a bunch of sinners. We were a bunch of drug addicts. We were all those things that we like to say that sound really bad. We've been all those things, but now... But now, by the blood of Christ, by the grace of the Lord, by the mercies from heaven. He said, but now, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. He doesn't say the Father... He doesn't say the Son. He doesn't say the Holy Ghost. You see, Jesus is all those things. But all those things weren't hanging on the cross. The man Christ Jesus was hanging on to Christ, which was God manifested in the flesh. In Christ Jesus, you it's us who were far off. Anybody join me on that? I'm sorry that you don't have a pastor that, that was always close to God. I've been a long ways away from God before he called me. I was a wreck, living to my own devices. But then one day, I heard God say, you're going to serve me? You're going to follow me? Choose, Joshua, this day whom you will serve. Now in Christ Jesus, people like me that were far off have been brought near to him. Not by my heritage, not by my lineage, not by who my mom and dad are, not who my brothers and sisters are, not by what church I attend. I also wasn't brought by. He doesn't say by what situations we were in. I feel the Holy Ghost and I'm going to preach a revelation to you. It's not the situation that brings you near to the cross. It's the situation that wakes you up and gets your attention to the one who takes you to the cross. I didn't find my cross because of the things I was going through. The things I was going through is what grabbed a hold of me and said, look for a better way. Look for a better one. Look towards heaven. Cry out to your Redeemer. Worship the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. The situations we're in, we always pray, God, bring me out. God, bring me out. God, bring me 
out, God, bring me out. And we've got it all backwards. We should be praying, God, bring me closer. God, bring me near. God, draw me. God, take me to the cross. God, bring me to you. God, take me out of the situation. Stop praying it. You pray, God, draw closer to me in this situation. God, I need deliverance. No, what you need is a destination. Listen, if God was in the midst of your hell, would you choose to go out of that hell or get closer to God in the midst of that hell? Brother Eloi, I don't care if he's in Hades delivering people. I don't care if he's on the throne. I don't care if he's on this earth. Here's a revelation, a shocking revelation. If God's not in heaven, I don't want to go there. The only reason I want to go to heaven is because I know God's there. If God is in the midst of my fiery furnace, if God is the, in the midst of my disaster going on, then I don't want to leave the disaster. I want to get right there next to God. It sounds like backward logic. But it's the only way that we come out. It's the only way that we ever grow with God. It's the only way we ever truly get deliverance in our life. Is stop trying to look for a way out of this thing. And start looking how we can draw closer to Him in this thing. It says that in Christ Jesus you once who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. By His blood. Colossians 1.19 says, For in Him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him, that's Jesus, to reconcile to himself Jesus again all things. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I want peace. I need peace in this situation. Then plead the blood. Plead the blood. I want to teach a thing real quick. Plead the blood. Our initial instinct is forgiveness, is redemption. Rightly so. But the blood of the cross, Brother Greg, is more than just forgiveness. It's more than just redemption. It's more than just salvation. The blood is the life. And if the life came out of Jesus, and the life is the blood, then that means when you forgive people, you are forgiven. 
God says that He cannot forgive if we won't forgive. When we humble ourselves and we say, God, I plead the blood on my life, typically we go to God, I plead forgiveness. God, I plead another chance. But I want you to know that it's much, much, much greater than that. When we say, God, I plead the blood, what we're saying is, God, I need forgiveness, but God, I need your life in my life. I need your mercy in my life. I need your grace in my life. I need your ways, your will, your tenderness, your long-suffering, your goodness, your mercy, all of it in my life. When I plead the blood, I plead the sacrifice on Calvary. When you plead the blood, not only do you plead the sacrifice, you plead the power of the resurrection. You cannot separate the cross from an empty tomb. It's all part of the same story. You plead the power of the blood on you. You're pleading the power of deliverance. You're pleading the power of resurrection. You're pleading the power of salvation. You're pleading the power that you're one day going to be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. You're pleading all the victories of the cross on your life. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood on the cross, the blood of the Lamb over this congregation. I pray that the blood will flow from the top of their heads to the sole of their feet. I pray that the blood would fill them on the inside and cover the outside. God, I plead the forgiveness of the cross. But God, I plead the resurrection of the grave. God, I plead baptism in Jesus' name. Just as much as I plead baptism in the Spirit, in the evidence of speaking in tongues. God makes peace in the situation by His blood. Things, when they happen, you know, we're not in control of these things. But we are in control of our response. God, I plead the blood. Lord, I don't know if it's appropriate or not, but I'm going to err on the side of mercy. God, I plead the blood over Mary that went home last night. I plead the blood that it would fall on her sister and the family that remains. God, I plead the blood that it would flow from Mary's room into all the other rooms. I pray that it flows into your room, Sister Eileen. I pray the blood of God flows from my daughter and son-in-law's room.
I pray that it flows out that front door, runs down the street, Mimi, and finds you in Aaron's home. I pray that the blood fills your home and covers your children. I pray that it bursts out the doors and begins to flow down the street to my mom and dad's. God, when the blood is done in my parents' house, I pray that the blood would find its way right into this house right now. God, and I pray that it would change everybody's life that's sitting here, that it would start to impact the situations, begin to alter the circumstance. In the name of Jesus, I pray that as you get in your cars, your vehicle will fill with the blood of the Lamb. I pray as you pull into your parking lot, as you pull into your driveway, as you park in your garages, that when you open that car door and you put your foot on the pavement, your foot touches the ground of your property. I pray that the blood of the Lamb would begin to spread through your house, begin to spread over your yard. God doesn't care what kind of home you live in. He doesn't care what kind of neighborhood you're in. The blood of the Lamb is more powerful. Been looking for a lot of things. You've been looking for a lot of answers. The answer is the blood. Let it be known to all of you. God told me to speak this to you. This is to you. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you whom crucified, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, by Him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. The builders which have become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Be it known to all of you, More Life Tabernacle, and all those watching online, anybody that's listening in the future and watching in the future, let it be known here, now, and forevermore. That only by the name of Jesus Christ and the redemption in His blood and the baptism of His Spirit are we ever, ever going to be with Him forever. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Do you believe that? You believe that God is not dead? Do you believe that your Redeemer lives? Then you ought to be on your feet 
worshiping, lifting your hands, shouting your voice to him that your Redeemer lives. Your provider is alive. <laughs> but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead if the musicians would come. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For by one man came death. But by a man, everybody say Jesus. Now say it a little louder. Jesus. Now shout it. Jesus. Now scream it. By Jesus! If you don't like it loud, you need to leave. It's an apostolic Pentecostal church. I figure if I can shout. You know, I used to shout in my high school. They'd have events. They'd have what they call interclass games. And we'd shout to the top of our lungs. Go to the high school football, we'd shout. We'd come to church and we're like, Jesus. I never want it recorded that I shouted louder for this world than I did for my Lord. By one man, death came. And by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. says and there's no greater thing that a man can do for one another no greater love than when a man lays his life down for a friend the epitome of love was shown when a God who had never did anything wrong didn't earn it didn't deserve it gave his life so that you and I might live. That love that he showed is the love that Peter's talking to in this verse. And I'm going somewhere, just hang on a little bit longer. Peter says, above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. I told somebody in the beginning of this, I felt the Holy Ghost. Forgive. Forgive. If you can
love. You can say, God, I'm not going to hang on to it anymore. But I'm going to take the bitterness in my heart. I'm going to take the brokenness in my heart. I'm going to take the disappointment in my soul. God, I'm going to put it at the feet of you. I'm going to put it right there at the feet of the cross. And I'm going to let your blood just begin to cover it and let it sink into the depths of forgiveness. opening this altar to everyone to come and be forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. We're just going to start with that. It's not popular to do an altar call on this because nobody wants to step out because everybody's ashamed. But if you need the blood of God on your life and you need to be forgiven, I'm asking you to come right now. I need to be forgiven. This is Resurrection Sunday. And we want to focus on the resurrection part. But before the resurrection ever comes, there's got to be a death that happens.